much like the engineer sets up the mic and people just come in and start talking and that's that's kind of the vibe that I wanted to go for. Oh, okay. So like yeah, no. just these cuz you and I have had these conversations in the hallways before. Yeah, let's sure. spark this idea of having you to be the the first the first guest, first on, guest of, of, the of what I hope is many uh, on uh, the old I I borrow the name from uh from Cindy Weller the Scout and About. Scout and About. All right. The old newspaper. Yeah. So no, I'm I'm honored to be uh, your first guest. I really am. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. So before before we deleted that previous recording we were talking about the best Pearl Jam album. Yeah. And yeah. uh, the the conversation of when you judge the best, is it because it's their first or their most influential, or how does that work? And, and follow ups, and like, is there a level of disappointment? You, you oftentimes hear like artist's second album not doing as well. Yeah, and is that just because expectations become too high? Right. Because like, what was it? It was ten, and then it was verses. Ten and verses. Yeah. And then what was after Vitology, that? Vitology. No Vitology. code. Vitology's yeah. spin the black circle. Uh huh. Is yeah. just. Fantastic, it's a good song. Yeah, um, it's a good song. But I think if I had to go back, like I bought the re-engineered 20, 20th anniversary mm-hmm. of ten. Yeah, I did not do that for any of the other ones. Really, I'm just that's. What did What did you think of that? Do you think it enhanced it at all? Uh, a little bit. I yeah. thought it was kind of cool to just kind of hear him go back, and it didn't change my opinion of it. Like I mm-hmm. wasn't like, oh my god, I can't believe that they mixed it this way, man. <laughs> You know, like going back, I would love to, and I know it's out there somewhere. I'd love to hear the um, and Justice for All with the bass part. I, I was just about to bring that up. A lot of the old Metallica records, the bass part is is way down in the mix. Well, and that was because they hated Jason Newstead, Newstead right. or at least it seemed like right. they did, which is strange right. because you know they hired him to play in the band, right? So right. why hire somebody to hate? Um, but yeah, I would love to go back and hear those bass parts. Filter. And I know it has more to do with their issues and what they were going through and losing their friend and stuff like that. But right. I'm sure those recordings are out there. I mean, the internet's got everything nowadays. So. I actually came across one, uh-huh. and I, I was skeptical. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you, know, you, you or I could get the software and, and go ahead and put that on there and doctor it up and boost the bass and everything. I would love to hear what a professional engineer would mm-hmm. do with it, though. You know? Did you see this recent thing where there's some folks on Reddit are using this technology to put people's faces on actors in other movies. No. So, like, there's reasons that, you know, we don't cover in school that they're doing this. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I saw a clip of was they put Nicolas Cage as Indiana Jones. Okay. And they completely changed the face of Harrison Ford to look like Nick Cage. Huh. And it's, like, this whole idea of... Like, they, they view it as a form of art. Okay. saying... You know, we we look at what we're able to do. We're able to paint with this canvas and, and do these different kind of things. The naysayers are saying, yeah, but you can now put anyone's face anywhere you want. We're already struggling with fake news mm-hmm. and people right. not believing and not knowing who to trust. And now you've just completely, that, that has now gone away. Oh, yeah. Just because you can, should you? Yeah, that that's always a, a good question to bring up. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, as, as a social studies teacher, yeah. I'm sure that that is... Something that apparently pops up every once in a while. I would imagine the conversations of World War II, you get into the idea of, we have the bomb. Oh, right. Should yeah. we continue to use the bomb? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know? Yeah. So how did you end up here? So, like, you... It's a long road, man. It's a long road, right? Because <laughs> it's a long road. Now, you and yeah. I, you were about the same age, right? Yeah, I'm 36. Yeah, so I'm older yeah. than you, thanks. Yeah. Uh, 41. <laughs> but, we'd, we'd, you know, we'd have been close... 
you know, so like, how many years have you been here now? Uh, this will be my sixth year under contract, my seventh year total. Because you were my, up at the high school for a year, I right? was. I was uh, actually for, for just a semester. Okay. For a semester as a long-term sub part-time for Katie um, Simwitz. Oh, okay. Then, uh, fraternity. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right. Okay. And then uh, Mr. Scarborough yeah. went on sabbatical, so then that opened up as a full-time long-term sub. And that was supposed to run from January to January. Right. Uh, and then at the end of that year, Mrs. Peters uh, had left, and the contractor position opened up, so I applied for that. And, and, and here, and you here are. I am. Yeah, yeah. Here you are. So yeah. how did you choose social studies? Like, what was your... How did you end up... How did you end up being a teacher? Like, that's... I'm always okay. curious about right. that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, like, no, I, for me, I remember going through, and music was the thing I was good at. Mm-hmm. You know? And and I had a lot of encouragement by that from my teachers, and they said, and then I went into college and decided that I wanted to go in and, and teach music, and mm-hmm. and then it led to what I'm doing now, which is not music as a main thing anymore, but, right. uh, you know, I'm always curious about, like, how people ended up, you know, like, I could sing, like, that's how I ended up doing music. It was mm-hmm. the, it was my niche, I found, I found my, my tribe, if you will. Okay. Now, how did you end up like as a social studies teacher? I always loved history. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite subject in school. And, you know, uh, coming around to senior year, you know, you're thinking about what you want to do with your life and everything. And, you know, I just, I had a lot of good teachers who were really inspiring. You know, they were, you know, like when we went to school, it wasn't um, all the technology and the autonomy that, you know, the kids have now, but, you know, it was kind of more traditional. But those, those, Guys and gals were able to keep your attention, mm-hmm. and you know they they had the classroom engaged and just the stories and loving history already, and then just seeing that and, and knowing that I kind of had the, a personality for entertainment in mm-hmm. a way, I guess. Um, that's kind of how I chose that. Well, did you, uh, grow, you grew up around here? I did. I went, to, I went to Tulpa Hocken. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew you lived out that yeah. way, but I didn't mm-hmm. know if that was... Like, I'm not from... I'm not from around these yeah. parts. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, so, so you're so you're a, a local. Local, yeah, yeah. Right off of uh, right off of 419, actually. So my commute here is like 15 minutes, man. That's I can't nice. complain. Yeah, that's right. So. My, my, I, I, I mean, I live here now, so yeah. I have a, a similarly short commute. But yeah. I... Uh, did anyone, anyone give you a hard time being a Tulpy guy coming to Wiser, or is that just made up in the minds of select few? I, I mean, I think I, and you were a soccer guy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, I think it's made up in the minds. I mean, there are other some other Tulpy grads here, Miss Miss Kissling and, yeah. and Mrs. Lamb, Tulpy grads. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, no, I mean, there's always a little bit of that fun, like oh, you went to Tulpy type thing. But no, it's <laughs> it's been pretty cool. That's um, cool. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I was I was really fortunate to get here. You know, um, I don't know. I, I, I can I can give you my whole journey if you want in, in in a nutshell. But <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's to me it's interesting where. You know, I think we all have that teacher, that inspired us mm-hmm. to, to pursue, something, and they they lit that spark for us. And I always think it's interesting to find out. You know, was it was it a history teacher that was that spark for you, or was it a different teacher, or no? It it was a history teacher, you know, and and as far as like the content was concerned, you know, I, they were all great. I mean, I really can't look back there and say that I, one of them was not as engaging. I mean, I was right. really fortunate to like every year of my schooling, but um, Bill Moyer, who actually still teaches at Tulpa Hawkins, he cool. was my he was my sixth grade teacher. Um, He's now eighth grade All right. at Tulby Junior High. But um, 
you know, it's funny. I, I was able to go back and, and see him again. And it's funny. He looks exactly like he did growing up. But, you know, we were sitting there talking. And, and as I'm thinking about it, it's like I, there are very few content things, content things that I remember him teaching. Right. I know he had a big poster that said a lot is two words. And it was very large. And I, I, My but, um, eighth grade teacher, that was yeah. my I had an eighth grade language <laughs> arts teacher. First thing she taught us, yeah. a lot is two words. Yeah. She wrote it on the board and said, I never want to see that mistake again. Yeah. But, um, no, the, the big thing with him was, though, is is the way he treated us with respect mm-hmm. and and he genuinely showed that that he cared you know and he you know he commanded respect you know he wasn't somebody who came in here and like you know demanding it but you know it's like the just the way he was in his personality um and the one big thing and i and i told him this um i had a friend of mine who actually who actually passed away when we were in sixth grade um he actually we Riding bike out in the rural areas, you know, he, he had gotten gotten hit by a car and passed away. But I, I just distinctively remember, you know, sitting at lunch, you know, and this is even weeks after it happened, just kind of all bummed out. And he just came up. He said, hey, are you all right? Do you need to talk? You know, mm-hmm. and that was cool. You know what I mean? Just to, to show that he had that connection and he genuinely cared about us as, as students and people. So I and I don't think that I don't think that's changed. Like, you know, what I mean, like a lot in education has changed. I don't, to me, the best teachers are the ones that are the ones that build that relationship with you. Oh, absolutely. And, and I don't think, you know, no amount of sit here and do this at this station or, or you, I, I still think that that, and especially in the level we teach, you know, we teach middle school and (laughs) I I think that I've always thought that middle school, the, the, the biggest thing about a middle school teacher is. It's about the relationships with the kids, and it's about keeping them excited about learning. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to high school, you can have a lovely argument that you need to be teaching content. Mm-hmm. But I think at the middle level in particular, the, the key job is to keep them interested in learning. Oh, absolutely. And to have that relationship with kids. And, yeah. and I think that, um, you know, there are some things that, you know, one, we're not going to, you know, solve that problem about the, the hurdles put in front of teachers in 2018 and in terms of what we have to do right and what we're told to do versus you know what we think what we know we should do mm-hmm. um we have no control over those tests that come out and right things that right. We, you know those kind of things and I, you know i guess it's it's kind of nice you you know it, you're similar in that you teach a subject that isn't tested like that yeah <laughs> you have a lot more freedom and i, I realized yeah, that not being you know being look i was a music teacher people would be like it's PSSA time, and I'm like, still got a concert. Yeah. I don't really care. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? You can't? No, I really do. Concerts in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change. Right. And I can still do what I want to do and teach what I want to do. And I always felt that that was refreshing. It was nice to just have those kind of relationships. And yeah. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I think, you know, just, just being there and making yourself uh, an ear, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes that's, that's all they need. They just yep. need someone to listen to them. And, and not judge, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So be that sounding board, but yeah, it's been so. crazy. It's and it's been so. You said eight, this is your seventh year, six, seventh, seventh, seventh year at Wiser, sixth year as a contracted. contracted. Did you have any gigs before that as a as a teacher? No, no? I never so you had. Came out of, yeah, I came out of. Uh, let's see, I graduated from Kutztown in December of twenty ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alexander, our our oldest, was to be born in January. Wowzers! So. Um, 
while I was at school, I was still working landscaping, so I kind of made a bit more than I would have been doing a day-to-day sub thing. So I, I continued to do that um, through the winter and the spring, and then come fall is when I'd heard about the position at the high school. And I had already student taught there. I student taught up at the high school with, you student teach with? with Kenny Wright. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mr. Wright. That. And uh, even before that, when I had to do my observation hours, I was with Ann Schmidt. Oh, cool. Yeah, so... Yeah, so I've I've kind of been here maybe even longer than seven years, it's just in some capacity. But yeah, I mean, just even that that you know small amount that I had been with with Anne doing my observations, I was like, wow, this is a this is a cool district, you know. Yeah. And I was, you know, it's always uncertain as a teacher. You know, you will you will work wherever you can. You know what I mean? Find work, especially in social studies. Yep, um, especially in music. I yeah. know, man. There's there's two in this building, and that's that's a blessing. Yeah. So, but when that when that opportunity came, you know, it was like I gotta I gotta go for it. I gotta yeah. take it, and I'm glad I did. So. That's cool. So it's seventh grade. Is that is that your your ideal? Like, if they ever said to you, would you want to go up and teach eighth? Would you ever? Would you I, consider it? I would consider eighth, sure. Um, if you they know, said go back to the high school, would you be the less less excited about that? Uh, yeah, maybe. That's you know, a preference. W- w- it doesn't wherever matter. they need me, you know, True. I will be there. But other um, duties as assigned. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was funny. Like when I doing my student teaching and my practicum and everything, you know, I was writing lessons geared for high school, and I'm like, yeah, I want to be a high school teacher and. Uh, you know, it was it was it was nice. You know, there's nothing you know against you know teaching mm-hmm. high school students or, or whatnot. But uh, when I came down here, I found that I could be a little bit more myself. Mm-hmm. I could be goofy, entertaining, and um, I've I've kind of found home here. You know? I agree. I just so. and I love seventh grade was always my favorite grade to teach. Uh, I like eighth grade too. I mean, mm-hmm. I love middle school. I, I've I found I'm with you. I found my. I always thought I was going to be a high school choral mm-hmm. director, and then I got I was yeah. for my first year <laughs> teaching, and I was like, no, <laughs> this is not at all what I want. And um, I just I loved seventh and eighth grade because they were old enough to still follow the rules. Yes, but young enough to not be jaded. Yeah, and old enough to have good conversations with, mm-hmm. and they're starting to develop who they are and and to figure out. You know what they want to be, and you know, not that they need to decide. I, I, you know, I don't think that any piece of paper in eighth grade should dictate what you're going to be when you grow up. Right. If that was the case, I'm should be a chemist right now. (laughs) And then I took chemistry class, and that was that was when I realized that that was a terrible decision. But uh, I don't know. I I agree. I think it's 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 a good place to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. And it's been fun. So we've uh. Yeah, uh, so you were the one who got me back, uh, partially back into listening to vinyl. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. Vinyl. We've had those conversations before. and Because uh, I always had CDs, and you could see them in, around my room. Oof, I have random yeah. piles of them all over the place. And I'm, I'm right with you, man. I, had a, I have currently a, a rack that looks like that hanging on my wall, um, filled. But at one point, I think I was at over a thousand CDs oh easily that's yeah. me and I, that was kind of thanks to BMG and Columbia House yes. you know yes. signing up under like five that's false right. names and yeah. you get all the false names and <laughs> yeah. everything is a nickel did yeah. you get Billy Joel's Greatest Hits Volume 1 and 2 I didn't because that's one of those where I kind of think um, I think it's one of those like everyone kind of has it one of those albums because like, okay. we were talking about this in the hall a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, Billy Joel albums and, and different and, and different favorite recordings and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and I have found that I think that if it wasn't the Billy Joel 2-in-1, the fat, the double disc, mm. you probably had the Doors 
oh, greatest hits. Yes, yeah, that was that was one of them for sure. Because that's one yeah. of those where I, I think I think for the longest time that was my only exposure to the Doors mm-hmm. was that album. And, yeah. and I'm still not a huge Doors guy. Like I get it, and I appreciate it as a, as as somebody who's listened to a bunch of music, but I don't. I'm not I'm not actively collecting Doors recordings. Right. And, right. Um, I still have a hard time not seeing Val Kilmer when I look at pictures of Jim Morrison. <laughs> yeah, it's from the, difficult. From the, from the movie. Difficult. But, uh, yeah. Uh, favorite Doors song? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, Are you a Doors guy? I am a Doors guy. I'm a big okay. Doors guy. It, but kind of the same thing. You know, I, I had the greatest hits. I knew the Lover Madleys and the Riders and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, my wife, since junior high, I mean, we've, we've grown up, grown up together, but as... You know, we started the date and everything, but she was really into the door. Mm-hmm. So um, I started to get kind of kind of sucked in there. Um, favorite Doors song? It's so tough, man, because you know how it goes. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it depends on your mood. One that comes to mind is uh, Not to Touch the Earth off of Waiting for the Sun. I don't know that one. I'm going to have to oh, Okay, it's pretty that. cool. In the Doors movie, if okay. you recall, that's the one where... When they're performing, you know, the stage lights are all kind of orange, and he's being very shamanistic. And then there's that shot of like a, like a sh- like a shaman, like he's having visions or whatever. So that's mm-hmm. the one they're kind of oh, playing. Cool. It starts off very kind of creepy, the creepy Ray Manzarek organ intro. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very cliche. I Riders on the Storm is still, like, I'll stop and just listen to that song. Mm-hmm. You know, even now, years later, and. You know, I remember being a whenever I got that first Columbia House order, like that was the song uh-huh. that on certain nights I would just put on repeat, repeat, yeah, just go over and over and over again, and just yeah, uh, you know, there's other ones here and there, but um, I don't know, I uh, I I appreciate that. And I have, I've I've accumulated some of their records over the years, just hand me downs from family mm-hmm. and and all that kind of stuff. So I always enjoy going back and listening to those those albums where I, I recognize a few of the songs but then kind of going into oh this is how it was presented originally right you know right. Um, like I, I think of um, the greatest hits like I'm a big Eagles guy I love the Eagles mm-hmm. not yeah. the football team because I really don't like yeah. them and I'm really <laughs> struggling with that right now uh, and I have a lot of friends who are super Eagle fans uh, and and they were like are you going to root for the Eagles I'm like no who is your team? By I'm a the way? Giants I don't know fan. Giants. Oh, so that's been, you know so, what we did talk about yeah. that. It's yeah. a tough year, and you're an yeah. Eagles fan, right? Are you? No, no, I'm a Niners oh, fan. Oh, that's. I'm a Niners. How fan. did you end up a Niners fan? Uh, as a kid, I always thought the Notre Dame Fighting Irish Irish guy was really cool. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My dad says, "Oh, hey, you know uh, Joe Montana, the quarterback, Montana, went to Notre Dame. I'm like, okay, I like the 49ers, which is great because that's right." Before they like started winning all those right. Super Bowls, so I I kind of avoided the bandwagon jumper mm-hmm. tag, although it still happened. In, yeah, in grade school, you know. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> no, I so I'm like I said, I'm not from here, from from Jersey, uh-huh. and um, my family is Giants fans. Okay, you know, my, my mom and my dad are, and my dad had friends who had season tickets to the to the Giants, and we would yeah, every once in a while get to go see a game, and okay. and you know that was a big deal at the time because. There used to be like a twenty to twenty five year waiting list for season tickets. Get out. Like wow. Parents wow. would put their kids on the waiting list. So, so in hopes that when they were twenty five they could get tickets to go to the Giants. That's insane. Like, wow. The, the new stadium is very different because uh-huh. I remember I was so excited when the new stadium was built, I put my name on that list. I'm like, I'm yeah, doing it. And then they called and I was like, <gasps> I'm gonna get giant season tickets. And then he tells me the price, and if I remember it right, it was about it was eight games. It was probably it, the price for the tickets wasn't bad. It was about two grand. Okay, yeah. And I was like, 
okay, two tickets, two grand. Okay, okay, no, that's not, okay, maybe. And then they were like, and there's a personal seat license of $5,000. And it was like, <coughs> personal seat license? I have license. to do what now? You have to <laughs> license the ability to sit in the seat at whatever. And I was like, thanks, but no. And I was, wow. I've been to the new giant stadium. Okay. It's nice. You know what's nicer is my basement. Yeah, with tea, <laughs> with with a blanket, yeah. and when it's snowing outside. Yeah. So, but it's been a tough year to be a Giants fan. Oh and, yeah. Um, yeah. I was trying to explain this. My neighbor across the street from where I live is a Steelers fan. So we were having this conversation the other day, and he said, uh, "Are you going to root for the Eagles?" I'm like, "No, not at all." And he goes, "Well, you know, they're a Pennsylvania team." I said, "I'm not from Pennsylvania. I have no loyalty. Like <laughs> no I don't loyalty." I said, "And I can't, in good faith, root for another team in the NFC East well, to go. win that too. the yeah. Super Bowl." And they said, "Are you really going to root for the Patriots?" I said, "Let me explain something." I said, "When I grew up, Bill Parcells was the coach of the Giants, mm. and he left the Giants to coach where." The New England Patriots. Uh, okay. So I followed him as a coach to the Patriots. I had no lawyer. I didn't like the Jets. These guys played the Jets. Okay. So this is great. And they drafted Drew Bledsoe. I love Drew Bledsoe. Uh, Drew Six Bledsoe. foot five. Yeah, Drew Bledsoe. Had a what was Washington State or something mm-hmm. like that. This just this big, at the time, prototypical quarterback. That we weren't mobile at that point in time. It was the big dude with the huge cannon arm. Yeah. And I bought a Drew Bledsoe jersey when I was in high school. And this was like Ben Coates, Drew Bledsoe. Like this is like Terry Glenn. Going back. Oh, yeah. Long time. So I followed the Patriots, again, before Tom Brady, before Bill Belichick. So I still have my Drew Bledsoe jersey. Nice. And you know what I'm wearing on the Friday before the Super Bowl? Drew Bledsoe My Drew Bledsoe jersey. (laughs) And I said this to my neighbor, and he's like, you can't say that around here, man. Someone's going to get angry at you. I'm like... What? Look, yeah. I respect like the guy, like dude, like the guy Chris Long, mm-hmm. who donated his entire salary. Oh yeah, like that's great. They're wonderful humans, and, and of course, for my friends who are diehard Eagles fans, I will be happy for them if they win. Mm-hmm. But there is certainly a part of me that wants the Eagles to be winning like twenty four to twenty one, and then Brady just marches down the, the field comeback. and gets a touchdown, yep. and the Eagles lose. Uh, and my wife looked at me. I told her that. She goes, you are not a nice person. I was like, when it comes to football and the Eagles versus the Giants, I said, I, yes, you're right. I'm not. The worst part is is my son started to go to me. Daddy, I like the Eagles. Oh, no. Just to razz oh, no, me. And I know he's doing it. Uh-huh. And my wife goes, you know, he's just doing it to get under your skin. I'm like, I know. And it's working. <laughs> it's working. Because then the other day he comes home and he goes, Dad, Daddy, Daddy. Eagles rule. The Patriots smell like feet. What? I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting like the, what they talk about on the bus. I'm like, yeah. I guess I got to count myself like lucky yeah. that yeah. that's all they're talking about on the bus. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I hope it's a good game. I, I hope do. so too. You know, I, you know, it's, it's those, those blowouts are disappointing, you know, and you always want to see a good game. You brought up the Jets. Let me yes. ask you about the Jets. Go. Is there, um, uh, how can I put it? A a a regional kind of like split, like Jersey, New York, where like okay, if you're from here, you are a Jets fan. If you are from here, you're a, a Giants. Some fan. of it, well, because the 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 Giants played in Jersey. Okay, the, the Jets do too, but mm-hmm. the Jets originally played in uh, in New York. Okay, and then they moved to the Meadowlands, and they all play and they alternate games and stuff like that. So like okay. Jersey's always, I've always felt like North Central Jersey and above. 
It's really what what cable you get, okay. like what, what you get from the broadcast. So like the Jets and Giants would never be on at the same time. That one was the one o'clock, one was the four o'clock. You're talking the biggest market in the, in the in the country, right? So I, we would always watch the Giants games, and then we the Jets games would be on. Mm. And I have some of my closest friends from high school were Jets season tickets holders, and they okay. were big Jets fans. But you tend to see a lot of Jets Mets combination and a lot of Giants, Giants Yankees. Yankees. Okay. Uh, and that's just that's generalization. I'm sure that a friend of mine is going to go, I like the Giants and I like the Mets. That's great. <laughs> but it seems like that seems to be the mix for whatever reason. Okay. Um, right. yeah. Maybe it's just kind of the way the organizations are run that the, and, and, and just the general, you know, there's, there's you know, the Giants have won a bunch of Super Bowls. The Yankees have won everything, yeah. um, including the offseason <laughs> this year. Um, so, and that's me. Like, that's me. I'm a... I'm a I'm a Giants-Yankees fan, although I was a Mets fan growing up because Daryl Strawberry was Uh, really cool. And my aunt, a friend of my aunt, grew up with them. So I got, like, autographed baseballs of him and Eric Davis. And, like, and then, of course, so my my favorite sports heroes growing up, Daryl Strawberry, Lawrence Taylor. (laughs) Both of them did a significant amount of drugs. Yeah. (laughs) And that was a kind of that that harsh reality later. And Mm. it was like, oh, it was a good reminder that who they are in their sport doesn't mean that they're a good person. Right, and I try to remind right. kids of that, you know, sure. like just because they seem like they're good at whatever, that maybe maybe you shouldn't be looking up to them as a role model. Find a different role model and right. then look up for different stuff. But um, yeah, no, for me it's 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 Giants and, and Yankees. So I'm very very excited about baseball season this year, cool. more so than normal, and it's a problem. Yeah, like I, yeah, but it'll, it it would be a good time. So. But I actually have probably been to more. My buddy who has the jet season tickets would invite me to games. So I've probably been oh, to right more, on. you know, because the Giants tickets are always hard to come by. Okay. So, but now we have a connection with somebody who has Giants season tickets and sells some of the tickets. So I can get, I try to get a couple. I tried to, uh, actually, my wife for Christmas this year said, oh, they're selling tickets if you want one. And I went, save the money. <laughs> I don't need to go in the cold. Oh, yeah. And the rain, and watch a terrible football team play football. Right. I'm, I'll stay at home. Yeah, pay for you know, parking, pay the astronomical prices for food, that. and then yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Forget no thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm good. So, um, so so I want to circle back to the music thing. Oh sure. If you had to choose one, like one record, specifically a record on vinyl, on vinyl, okay. A, a, a piece of actual vinyl. All right. Say to somebody, this will get you hooked on the concept of vinyl. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I, by the way, I don't have an answer to this question. Yeah, okay. Because I'm sitting right. on, all right. What would it be? <laughs> I don't, I just, it's one of those that's things a, where a, it's it's an impossible question. I yeah, should find yeah, a different sure. way to ask that. But how about this way? What's your go-to record? You come home, you either had a great day or a not great day. The wife and kids are occupied. You can put on whatever you want when you go home. On vinyl. On vinyl, what are you putting on? Van Morrison, Astral Weeks. Why? I love it. <laughs> Fair. Why, why do you love it? Um, uh, no, it, uh, something about that record, you know, I, it was it was in college when I'm really starting to, like, starting to read music magazines and, like, 50 best this of all time and that. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, everybody knows brown-eyed girl you oh, know yeah. and yeah. uh so i'm like i'm reading this review actually you know what it was it was actually on tv it was vh1 doing this like 100 greatest records of all yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah 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 and they're talking about uh, you know how 
them, you know, Van Morrison's in them, and then he comes out with his first record, and I forget what the name of it is, and Brown Eyed Girl's a hit, and then the sophomore record, you know, like we've talked about, and he gets together with a bunch of jazz musicians and basically goes in and says, all right, let's make a record, and a lot of it's impromptu. Oh, nice. You know, um, but yeah, just the, the instrumentation on there, it's a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, it's, it's relaxing for me, it's very em- emotive, and I don't know, say what you want about Van Morrison. I know some people are just like, they can't, you know, stand his voice, you know, but I, I think he, I think he nails it. So if I, yeah, if that's the one I want to put on, just kind of unwind or whatever, that's the one I'm, I'm, I'm taking out. I remember the VH1 thing. Um, do you remember their, uh, not storytellers, it was VH1's, oh, they did a whole series about specific artists where they were like hour long. The legend, the legends. Yes. Yeah. VH1 yeah. legends. Uh huh. I vividly remember that's how I got introduced to Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, you know what's really funny? I, I have that on my computer somewhere. <laughs> I went down into the to the depths of YouTube. Okay. And may or may not have acquired that. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to ever look for it again. And I only found it in like six clips. Because uh-huh. it was like six 20-minute clips. Yeah. yeah. And I have them all. Yeah. And the video quality is terrible. Oh. But Stevie Ray Vaughan to me, like that's I never really knew his music before that. I wasn't a blues guy growing up. My buddy, my buddy was a blues guy. Okay. And he the first time I ever heard it was he played for me the, the tribute album after Stevie Ray had, had 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 died. Okay. There's a there's a there's a recording called like a tribute to Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm-hmm. And it's Jimmy Vaughn and Eric Clapton and Bonnie Raitt and Buddy Guy and BB King and a whole bunch of just these amazing blues guitarists. And he played that for us one time at his house, and we're like, oh, this is really cool. But, like, it never really clicked. And then I saw that documentary, and I was like, yeah. And he made me want to learn guitar mm-hmm. and also never play again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I, totally, I, I, sit there and I'm like, totally I want to try what you're to talking be that. About. I know what and you're then I'm like, about. I'm never going to be that. So I have to be content with yeah. what I do, which is like hack chords, and that's about what I can do. Any guy who can take Hendrix and oh. do it better than Hendrix, uh, you know, his his covers of Little Wing and, and Voodoo Child just... His cover of Voodoo Child is... Speaking of YouTube, oh. Austin City Limits. Yeah. That, the way he they do that I have, live... I have the DVD. Oh, man. It's not over there. Okay. I have it somewhere. Oh, yeah. But I actually have, like, because I bought the, the three-disc... Like, you remember when they sell the three-disc ones in, like, mm-hmm. the tall boxes? Yes, yeah. And the fourth disc was the DVD yeah, and had the Austin oh, system. Oh, wow. On it. It's probably around here somewhere. Yeah, that, that performance is spectacular. But, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, <sighs> And funny about that, the video quality and that particular Legends, I, uh, I, I've i been kind of, not forced, but um, gently persuaded by my wife to start getting rid of some of my stuff. And, yes. Um, I, I remember... Don't. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Love you, honey. I've I've had uh, crates of VHS tapes, like oh, you know, man. before YouTube. Oh yeah, where That's what you, you you threw the tape in, yeah, because you're you, afraid that you will never see it again. I remember having to be the one in my house having to set up that videotape for yeah. my parents. <laughs> set up the recording, and you're yeah. sitting there, you're hitting all the buttons, and you're just yeah. hoping it recorded right. So yeah, I was going through a lot of VHS, and you know, not labeled and everything. I pop it in, I'm like, whoa, Stevie Ray Legends, and like. The quality was awful. You know, I sat there and watched it. I, I got rid of it only because it's, you know. It's, you but can find I, the same crappy quality. Exactly. Too, so. But So I had to watch it once on the original so format. Good. But, yeah, yeah, he's incredible. Wow. Buddy and I were actually just talking about him the other night. Just 
I just he's one of those where, you know finally gets his life cleaned up, gets clean, gets sober, playing better than ever, and then dies. Yeah, it's like. Oy. Yeah. Uh, there was an old Dennis Leary joke. You ever listen to Dennis? You, you know the exact joke I'm talking about. I was just about to bring that up. Like, it's so funny, man. Yeah, <laughs> Stevie yeah, Ray Vaughan yeah. is dead. <laughs> and we can't. And we can't get John Bon Jovi to a helicopter. Come on, yeah. people. Yeah. You know, like as, I just he was so good, and you just, oh. I, I, and I, I loved on that 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 recording was the disc where he actually did MTV Unplugged. Like, there's recordings of him doing unplugged wow. stuff, and I. I, I am a huge fan of people who play the acoustic guitar. Yeah. Like, I, I love guitarists across the board. Like, I can listen to, you know, the, the go back to, like, Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Guitarists of All Time. Mm, right. I, I, I very much disagree with where they put Kurt Cobain, because yes. while I love Nirvana, he's he's not a top tenor or whatever they no, had, a top ten, no, top no, fifteen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, we can argue about what his impact on, on the style and the genre, mm. but he wasn't a great guitarist. Right. Um, but that I could listen to a playlist of that stuff all day long. Yeah. You know, greatest. I have Spotify playlists of like the best guitar solos of all time. And actually, the picture is of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Get out. Okay. Uh, on that. But um, there's, I think that when you take somebody who plays a lot of electric, I always love hearing them play acoustic because mm. there's nothing to hide behind. Right. Like you can't right. hide behind distortion pedals and you can't. Uh, look, I sound like a rock god. With a distortion pedal, because <laughs> it just—I mean, I can rock power chords, mm-hmm. and it sounds amazing. Yeah, you unplug it, and it sounds like a dude whose fingers aren't long enough to really nail all the notes in the chord, and it's almost there. Yeah, which is far more accurate of my ability when it comes to the electric guitar. <laughs> um, so to hear him play acoustic was just. Uh-huh. And what is it? Life by the shot. Life by the drop. Yeah. yeah life, life by, by the, the drop. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, what is it here? If I can, if I can even remember it, I can right. even lay that. It took I me just, forever to learn. I can only imagine. <laughs> I can. I like, and that's my my fingers don't work like that. And he does know? that on a twelve string yet too. I know. And that's. Do you own a twelve string? I don't. You I ever, don't. You ever thought about it? I've thought about it. If I find one like dirt cheap, I'm with you. How um, many guitars do you own? Uh, hold on, let me think. Two, two acoustics, and three electrics. What's your favorite? My favorite one? Oh man, that's tough. It's a it's a black Epiphone okay. Les Paul that I got. Um, yeah, I just like the sound. I like the sound of Epiphones better than actual Gibsons. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm bizarre like that but no I still have my my Strat and my Fender Acoustic are the ones that I got when I was like 12 right so I still have those and I've had numerous other guitars throughout the years I tried this one don't like it got rid of it traded in by this one Um, I've never I've never purchased personally a brand new guitar I've always gone and picked up a used one here and there Uh, my tailor's new Okay, but Adrian got that for me as a present. There so you go. actually, the that the Washburn that's the, I bought that new. My first guitar was an Alvarez. Oh, okay, and I loved it. My parents it was I was I didn't pick up guitar till college. Okay, I had to for the music major thing. Ah, all right. They were starting to make us actually learn how to play guitar, which makes sense because we should know. And um, my parents for my birthday said, "We'll we'll buy you a guitar," and they but they said, "But we don't know what we're doing, so come with us to the store. We know how much we're willing to spend." And then here are the, here's the ones that we haven't narrowed down to what, what we, we're willing to pay for. Okay. Choose. 
and they actually had originally looked at a Fender, an acoustic Fender. And I played it. I was like, that's cool. And then at the same price point was this acoustic, was this Alvarez. Mm. And I just fell in love with it. I just, I don't know, there's something about it. I just, that's I like the awesome. way it felt. Yeah. I like the way it sounded. And in fact, for the longest time, I brought it to college. It sounded great. My friends would all borrow it. We all loved it. My one roommate dinged it on the door. It has a big scratch in it. Yeah. The neck started to crack. Whatever. It's well loved. Yeah. But then my buddy got a mark. His, his dad... It was the it was the his parents are getting divorced. I'm gonna buy you a Martin. Oh right. <laughs> my buddy got this Martin, and I remember thinking to myself like he got brought that, and we were like, um, dude, your very expensive Martin doesn't sound nearly as good as my mm-hmm. hundred and fifty dollar Alvarez. Yeah. Well, two months later, after two months of playing, that Martin sounded infinitely better <laughs> than mine, and that's when I was introduced to the concept of you get what you pay for. Yeah. Because yeah. my Alvarez has sounded the same since I was twenty. Yeah. You know. I mean, that doesn't sound like anything anymore because it doesn't have any strings on it because uh, if I put strings on it, the neck is going to snap off. I was going to say, you the know? action's probably grim. That's how my Fender yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, I love it. And, you know, like when my son gets a little bit older and if he shows an interest, I'll probably string it up with some light strings and let mm-hmm. him use that. And if it goes, it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, you know, there's only so much room in the house yeah. to hold stuff. Um, yeah. I've got uh, the, the Washburn. The Yamaha behind you is the school's. <laughs> So that's, that, that's owned by uh, dear old Conrad Weiser, uh, the Alvarez. And but my wife's a music teacher, so like we have, you go into the one room in our house, and it's a music room. Oh, nice! nice. And we have a baby Martin. Oh. Ever see the baby Martin? I haven't seen it. Ever see the um, the backpacker? The backpacker, yes. Okay, yes. I wanted a backpacker because at the time I was doing a lot of lunch duty, and I wanted to bring something with me, and I didn't always want to bring my my full size. Mm-hmm. And I remember going up to, uh, you know, up on 60, no, two, no, 222, heading out towards um, Blandon. Blandon? Not Blandon. What the heck? Meadowwood Music. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There. Yeah. Wherever that is. I, that, that way. Okay. Yeah. That, that's heading towards, yeah. Yeah. Uh, six, yeah. I don't know why I keep saying 61. Yeah. I'm going to stop talking. Um, I went there because they were a vendor of, and they had the backpacker. And the guy brought me in, and I said, I want to take a look at this. And uh, my wife and I went, and I played the backpacker. And he goes, look, if this is what you're looking for, he goes, it doesn't have a great sound. He goes, and unless you're actually backpacking, Mm -hmm. you should think about this instead. And he showed me this three-quarter size Martin, which he called the Baby Martin. Okay. And I just, it has, it's all natural finish to it. And it just, and it was was beautiful. And it sounded really good. It had much fuller sound. I said, I really like this. And I said, but I don't know, I don't know. My wife played it. She's an elementary music teacher. And she goes, I really like this, and I, I think I want this. Oh, wow. So we left. We didn't buy anything. We just left. Went home. Giants played the Eagles. <laughs> it's the only time I remember getting angry at a football game. Because it was the one game where the Giants were in it, but then Deshaun Jackson caught something, ran and started like running up and down the end zone, like completely taunting. Okay. I remember being so angry. I I remember slamming the door out and I just yelled up. I said, I'm going out and I like left the house and I went back and, and you went the guitar. I went back and bought the baby martin. <laughs> so we have the baby martin at home. Um, we have a squire stratocaster okay. in the family. Uh, and I and then we have a bunch of ukuleles because that's what we're into right now. Okay. Ukuleles and I have a mandolin. Cool. And there's a banjo. Cool. Stuff. There's a lot of stuff. That's awesome. It's it's fun though. Pull yeah. it off the wall. Yeah. Walk around with my little children and sing them random songs that yeah. come back to haunt me. <laughs> um, 
It was a good time. So uh, what are you learning right now on the guitar? Um, you know what? i got to be quite honest with you. This is the first time I've picked up a guitar in like a month. Mm-hmm. So um, when was the last last song I learned? Uh, Talk Tonight uh, from Oasis off of the... Um, oh, there's a band I haven't thought of in years. Oh, it was their... I don't know what it's called anymore, but their, their like B-Sides record okay. that actually had a lot of good songs on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah those so, are two guys that just don't like each other anymore. No, not at all. Not at all. I listened to uh, Liam's Liam's new record, uh-huh. which is pretty good. Okay. That, I should say the, the song. I haven't heard the whole record yet, uh-huh. but that's good. But yeah, that and uh, I, I, you know, we talked about Blind Faith a couple months ago, yeah. and uh, I saw. Oh. I can't think of his name. I just talked. Steve Winwood. Yeah. He was playing Can't Find My Way Home uh, yeah. in this castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, sent me yeah. the video, okay. right? Yeah, so I decided to try to learn that, and it's not as difficult as it sounds on the on the record. Mm-hmm. So, um, But other than that, I just kind of fiddle around. Sometimes I'll start playing, and something sounds right, so I'll actually write something. You oh. know? Yeah. Do you do a lot of your own writing? Um, I did in the past, you know, before kids and before teaching and everything like that, but yeah. B.C. Yeah. Be- I was Before children. <laughs> before children. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, Adrian and I, we lived in Trexler Town for a while. She uh, she was working at uh, Sherwin-Williams. She was managing a bunch of Sherwin-Williams stores okay. after she graduated, and uh, we had no cable, and uh, rabbit ears still worked, so nice. very little TV, but no, we just... Uh, two-bedroom apartment. One of the bedrooms was the office music room, art mm-hmm. room, and we just hang out in there, and I, I had a bass. I had a four-track Fostex tape recorder. Sweet. So I have a, a buddy of mine who I went to high school with, uh, my, one of my best friends. We, you know, entertained the idea of, like, we are going to do a band, and we've held on, we held on to that dream up until we were, like, 29, you know, um, got something together, actually recorded some stuff with a band, but I have a tote of four-track tapes of complete songs, riffs uh, that we've done. I mean, a lot of stuff. I've, I've cataloged actually everything since I was probably 12 with, wow. with my, my three-piece band in my parents' basement trying to learn Bush covers. Bush covers! <laughs> you know. Bush. Very, very awfully, but yeah, there's... Oh. What was that? What was their first album called? 16 Stone. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Every, so, was Everything Zen on that everything one? Everything Zen, Little Things, Zen. Come Down, Glycerine. Oh, yeah. yeah, what's, yeah. What's, how does Glycerine, what is the what is the riff for that again? Is for Glycerine, it's it? Now, do you have like a, do you have a, like, do you have a Gavin Rosdale impersonation? Um, yeah, kind of. Mosby is, yeah. Must be your skin. I'm sinking in. <laughs> Something like there that. Yeah. Are they? Are they on the? Are they touring again? They, it they are. Like, seems like every band that I grew up listening to is touring again. Zampelli actually just saw him. Did he? Uh, not this past year, but the year before, down at the the new Fillmore in Philly. Okay. Um, Were they good? Yeah, he said they were great. Um, I think the only original other guy besides Gavin is the drummer mm. who they brought back, uh, guitar player for Helmet. Of all people, wow. is is playing with random. them now, and uh, no, they um, th- the their new single, eh, you know, they still sound like Bush, yeah, little little cleaned up, a little bit more polished. I, I always get a weird feeling when it's bands when they're bringing in a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, we, we talk, we, we've in the past we talked about how we both like live. 
Yes. Which is, by the way, still impossible to search for on the internet because you type in live <laughs> and you get all sorts. Anyway. Yeah, right. Um, and, like, the whole thing where they had, like, Kowalczyk left and the band was still touring as live and they mm. sued each other for the names and it got real nasty and ugly. It's, and they were bringing a guy who sounds like Kowalczyk. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, then you become, like, a tribute band to yourself. You know, like, and yeah. I actually have said this to you before. Like, I love Billy Joel, but on some level, Billy Joel has become the world's best Billy Joel tribute band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, like, for me, this is this is here's my conundrum. I'm a big, as we talked earlier, Eagles fan, mm-hmm. and I've read. It was the first band I ever was obsessed with. Like, I bought all the albums. I read the biographies. Like, and I was just oh, everything about the Eagles I thought was cool. Except I listen to some of their stuff now, and I'm like. <laughs> they have some brilliant albums. Hotel California is brilliant. Yeah, most of it. Um, the long run is terrible. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. there's there's a handful of songs where you're just kind of like, how did you guys make that yeah. <laughs> and make that? Yeah. But now you know, I I was very sad when Glenn Fry died. Oh, absolutely. You know, like that that one hit me pretty hard. Yeah. And and um, I was sad when they kicked Don Felder out of the band for the third time. Mm-hmm. But now they're still touring. Yeah, yeah. And they're touring with Glenn Fry's son. Right. So does that make it better? But or, like, yeah. You know? And I'm like, I wasn't really... Look, if somebody came to me and said, I've got two tickets to go see the Eagles, do you want to go see them? And it's the band, not the football team, I'm going. Right. Like, if somebody hands it to me, but like to pay the amount of money they're asking for for these tickets, Yeah. I feel I'm kind of like, well, I want to see Felder. And if, it, if Felder were back in the group... Sorry, sorry about that. It's all right. That's why, uh, <laughs> yep, did it turn everything else off except the alarm? Um, but that's my, like, I don't know, like, d- is it really the Eagles anymore? And, uh, you know, yeah. And I mean, because I think, like, I think my favorite stuff was when Walsh and Felder were, were playing. I mean, that end of Hotel California, when they're going back and forth and trading mm-hmm. solos, yeah. and then the acoustic version of that to go, to that conversation. Like, Hell Freeze is Over uh-huh. is amazing. Great record. And when Great you record. listen to, I love the line when, they, when the album starts up and it goes, um, just, just to clarify, we didn't break up, we just took a 14-year vacation. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, but that, when you, watching them play that acoustic version of Hotel mm-hmm. California and watching Felder play that and he and Joe Walsh going back and forth, I just... I don't. I'm sure the guy who's playing all of Felder's parts is he's obviously as good as Felder. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I mean, that's that's with a lot of things. Um, who who else was I just? Oh, I I remember back in the day, a buddy of mine said, "Hey, I got tickets for ZZ Top, Leonard Skinner at Hershey." This is going back like '01. Mm-hmm. Billy Gibbons. I mean, come on. So I'm like, right. "Yeah, I'll go see. I'll go see Top. Sure." You know, Skinner, all right. Right. But, you know, you go see Skinner, again, very talented guys playing. And at that point, not everybody in the band had basically passed away. But, you know, looking back on, on old footage and you're watching Steve Gaines and Alan Collins just, just right. nail. And, you know, yeah. Or, um, uh, well, for me, it's like I'm, I'm also I'm a, I'm a fan of the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson and okay. all that kind of stuff. Right. Like, even going and seeing, like, the at the, at, uh, New Year's? Was it New Year's? It wasn't New Year's. It was Fourth of July. Hmm. The, the the Beach Boys, the, the the Mike Love version of the Beach Boys uh, were playing okay. one of those concerts, the PBS one. Mm-hmm. And it was like 
It's like Mike Love, John Stamos is back there playing drums, okay? I mean, he's basically been a part of the Beach Boys since the 90s. Yeah, I was going to say. But like, yeah. I actually I saw the Beach Boys right before Kokomo. Did you really? Was my, my, it was, that was one of my dad's favorite bands. Okay. And they took us to see uh, the Beach Boys, and it was literally like a month before Kokomo broke. Okay. And they didn't play it because oh, it hadn't been released no yet, so way. we just heard okay. all the old stuff. But my dad told me a story. Yeah. He saw the Eagles open for the Beach Boys in the 70s. No kidding. Hey, wow. Like, that's crazy. And, and I think about music just in terms of, you know, I, I remember I didn't watch any of the Grammys this year. Mm-hmm. And I usually try to, like, go back and watch some of the performances or whatever, but I was reading an interesting take on it, how this has just been showcased the death of rock and roll. Mm. And and how it's, you know, when all they're doing is parading Sting out there three different times, you know, who is the current face of rock and roll? And, 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 and that'll, that'll be the question, because that, that alarm does mean I have to go get my kids. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so here's my question for you right yeah. now. La- okay. la- last question. Last question. Who is, in 2018... The, the definitive rock and roll band. Oh, my God. The like, definitive? Like, right now. Like, I, if you said, you need to listen to rock and roll by a current, not a go back and listen to the Stones, who were really a blues right. band, or go back to Zeppelin, who's also really kind of a blues band. But, like, 2018, hand somebody an album, currently making new music right now. Who's your answer? I have an answer for this one. Foo Fighters. Exactly. Foo That's Fighters. it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. outside of Dave Grohl uh-huh. and the Foo Fighters... Who else is there? Right. Everything else. I'm sure that, like, the four people that are going to listen to this, yeah. by the way, someone's <laughs> going to email us and go, uh, you guys forgot about the... But I'm yeah. talking, like, mainstream success. It, well, that's what I was going to say. It has to, they're the only ones who are who are mainstream enough but still hold sway with other people who might be listening to other things. Right. You know, because, I mean, you got Queens of the Stone Age out there who are great, but they're still a little bit, you know, under the radar, you know? Right. Um, yeah, oddly, my favorite Queens of the Stone Age album yeah. features Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl playing drums. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The guy's everywhere. He's man. amazing, and he's so good. And he he's, is. Yeah. And he's he. Can you think of somebody that defined, like, helped define a sound like that, and then in his second act, might be better. Yeah, yeah. And better I think as so. a songwriter and a guitar man and a front and a front man. Right. Like. His drumming in Nirvana is one of the things that you listen to and you go, oh, yeah. was it was it Butch Vig? Did he did he did he, he was he the engine the, the, the engineer? Never mind. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you listen to because well, yeah. smells like Teen Spirit comes on, man. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. That like he sounds like he's playing with small logs. Yeah, and it's so loud and it's so good. It's crazy to think that the drummer in the Foo Fighters might be the second best drummer in the Foo Fighters. Yeah. And Taylor Hawkins is really and freaking he's good. Really good, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I just I don't I I adore Dave Grohl. I watched the documentaries on HBO. Good. Did you see him? Uh, I got through a bunch. I didn't watch them. I know you're a big documentary guy. But yeah, no, but are you are you referring to the Foo Fighters, the where the, they went to each city and recorded no. Did you see? Oh, those are on HBO. Yeah, I, I didn't don't, see those. Um, I forget what it's called. The now. Sound City? Yeah, Sound City. So they went to each of the different... They Was it Sound City that they did the recordings? Well, well, they traveled to each city Okay. and met up with somebody who was from there and recorded songs with them there. Okay. So... That that might have been like a, a series it's, it's on a series HBO. Of, it's, it's an HBO series. But, I'll, I'll, 
We can find the name. Okay. I'll show you. Uh, but no, I'd the, Google the, it, but it's recording us talking. So. <laughs> the Foo Fighters documentary, I forget what it's called. Yeah. Um, it's, it's on Netflix, actually, right now. Uh, but that's really good. And the one that talks about Sound City as a whole, that role. Yes, the whole, I watched that whole that thing. That is that was amazing. The, the, when he and the, the whole scene with him and Paul McCartney was just... <laughs> Could not be more surreal. Oh, I know. And even listening to him talking about it, he's like, I'm playing with Paul McCartney. Yeah. And the g- greatest line, greatest line, and I think we could end with this. Too, right. This is the greatest line. But, you know, they, they they show the process of him and Pat Smear and Chris Novoselic and Paul McCartney writing the song in the studio. And then they finally videotape them going through the whole thing. They end the song. And Dave Grohl is like, man, I wish it was always that easy. And Paul McCartney goes, it is. <laughs> And that was it. That was like, oh my god! That's like the coolest thing to say. I mean, it's Paul McCartney. It is. Yeah, he's oh, he's great. Well, hey, I, I appreciate you coming down and spending. Some hey, time man, it was, it was my pleasure. That was fun. We, uh, you want you want to play something on the way out? You just, um, just uh, I don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't even know what I could what I could play. Um, ah, since you're a live fan, I'll, oh. I'll, I'll give you my little spin on I Alone. Oh, okay. short for time. I'm sorry, Bass. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Bass. I appreciate yeah, it. That's sure. great. Do you ever watch their um do you ever watch their own